Beloved Church of God, beginning our service, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights, to break all chains and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation. And may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
If you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths of the riches and wisdom of God, the unsearchable inheritance of Christ that God greatly desires to reveal in these last days. Matthew 5:45 and 48 that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect the sermon that I would like to continue is called called to perfection we need to understand that perfection has a specific goal and so this promise contained in the commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students therefore people who do not accept God's delegated authority over themselves have no part in the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and, not, and are not able to have it because in those churches where the pastor is chosen by the manner of a, of a vote, he will not be able to bring them to perfection. They can read this place of scripture, but it shall be closed for them because they are not students. They are inspectors. They come to inspect their pastor instead of learn from him. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. And in part, we have been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets, in which we died by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith Romans 4.13 we note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent together with the person who represents the fatherhood of God for us. Our faith is our obedience to the preached word because the preached word is the faith of God. God's faith is the word that he speaks therefore the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which God sends us his word by the mouth of his delegated people therefore the covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are 
sons of peace as well as the sons of God, and have been studying the seventh sign. This is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3.14.15 We've noted that according to this place of Scripture, the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart, and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. I will remind us why I call the love of God selective, and that is because it is holy. When I say holy, people with a tolerant form of mentality don't understand what holy means, because holy is something that separates the pure from impure. It selects, it chooses, it doesn't uh, include all, but only specific individuals. Since in the selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, and eternal and uncomprehending for the human mind, goals and works of God, called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and His children. In Scripture, the character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture, by the preached word of the apostles and prophets in the form of seven unchanging elements. This is virtue knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. This is written in 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. We note that each of the seven qualities of the fruits of virtue are in one the other and contain the characteristics of all of the other qualities, which is why they flow one from the other, complete one the other, strengthen one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. Second, these qualities, these seven characteristics, are called to be within our heart the moral perfection and an example inherent to the essence of God. Third, the given qualities are the great and precious promises entrusted to us through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. Fourth, the given qualities presented in the seven characteristics are the imperishable treasure and unsearchable wealth of Christ with which we need to become rich. Our wealth <coughs> is a changed person, the sacred person. Fifth, in order to receive the inheritance of these qualities, these seven unchanging characteristics, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, which is possible when a person will be grown into the full measure of growth in Christ, when he will become, when he will leave the position of infancy. Sixth, the means that we are to utilize for receiving the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. Seventh, by inheriting 
these great and precious promises in the form of the fruits of our spirit, we become part of God's divine nature, which is why the confessions of the faith of our heart become equal in power to the words that come out of the mouth of God. Since the selective love of God demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love that is filled with egoism, greed, and is just temporary. It is the power of the selective love of God in the format of seven qualities of unearthly virtues that is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our earthly bodies and destroy the stronghold of death and clothe our earthly body into the resurrection of Christ and that is into our new person. The bond of perfection of the selective love of God is unconditional when it comes to the seven qualities of virtue. Unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature of the selective love of God in the seven qualities of virtue is different in that it contains the burning jealousy of God all his knowledge and his absolute wisdom that in no way is able to be used for greedy and egotistical purposes and goals of man. At the same time, the tolerant love of man toward other men is very conveniently used for greedy and egotistical purposes. Here is what the scriptures say regarding the strength of the love of God. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Je jealousy is cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Songs of Solomon 8.6.7 The measure of the love of God is identified by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do this evil. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9 This is a place uh, that Apostle Paul took from the 100 or 44th Psalm of David. Psalm 11.5.6 and 7 The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. And so these are again people that were holy and then became wicked. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. Only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, we are able to demonstrate God's perfection in his reaction toward the righteous who perform good and the unrighteous who perform lawlessness. The selective love of God by its unchanging nature in the, in the format of the seven supernatural qualities is called to grow us into the fullness of growth in Christ, or perfection that is like the perfection of our Heavenly Father.
so we can shine the light of our sun upon the just and the unjust and pour out our rain according to God's intentions upon the righteous for good and the unrighteous to punish them. Considering, therefore, that these seven qualities of virtue, identifying the selective love of God, do not have an analog in the earthly realm of the human lexicon, not in any dictionary of the world. The love of God is the foundation and the atmosphere of the moral and immovable law, opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom. And this is not all. The love of God agape is a sovereign love, which is unconditional when it comes to the people it chooses, in its abilities to foreknow and predestine. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And he foreknows us before the creation of the world. He knows ahead of time who, uh, becoming familiar with the truth, will fall in love with it and will be obedient to it and the one that will reject it. And so this depends upon us, not God. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8.29 Because of its sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects. That's why God sometimes waits even all of our life time that we at the end of our life would finally acknowledge this old person and reject him and never allow her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated, these boundaries identified as his burning holiness. In a specific format, we've already looked at the demonstration of the selective love of God in the qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, and perseverance, and stop to study the virtue of the love of God in the mystery of great godliness. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. 1 Timothy 3.16 And all of this God had shown and done by those individuals who became obedient to the truth. Because everything that God does on earth, he does by his people born from the seed of the word of truth. It is them that show how God was manifested in the flesh, how he was justified in the spirit, how he was seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. By demonstrating the signs of the fruits of godliness, we identify the true quality of the love of God, agape, within the heart of a man, in his words, his actions, and the manner in which he dresses. And this is not supposed to uh, prompt the instincts of the opposite gender. Further, we know that there is a fundamental difference between the goodness of God in his favor toward man and the, go the godliness of a man, which he is called to demonstrate in his love to God. For example, the godliness of a man, when it comes to God, is his favor for God, a man's grace for God, and his thanksgiving. The godliness of a man is the ability of a person to visit the fatherless and the widow in their hardship and keep themselves from being defiled by the world. 
This is the ability to imitate Christ and meditate about the things of the hill, seek God in his good, acceptable, and perfect will. The godliness of God is a responsive reaction of God to the favor that man shows him. This is his goodness toward man, his favor, and his grace toward man. Again, as a response to the favor and grace a man shows him, his mercifulness toward man, his thanksgiving, toward man, his good work and his good acts, his kindness in the absolute sense of the word. The Old as well as the New Testament identified the virtue of the love of God in the discipline of godliness as one of the greatest mysteries of God himself, which defends and makes the sincere love of God impossible for counterfeit and falsification. Aside from these characteristics called to identify the character of godliness, there is also a counterfeit form of godliness that exists as well, that conflicts with and resists the true form of godliness, but can never falsify it. 2 Timothy 3.5, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. This godliness is only outwardly in these individuals, but an inner godliness cannot be falsified. It can only be sincere. If we don't break our relationship with people that have the look of godliness and will not distance ourselves from them, then they will corrupt our godliness that is contained in our good habits, which is why we, together with them, will inherit the prepared-for-them destruction. Relevant to this, we need to answer four classical questions. First, what are the characteristics of the godliness of both God and man in Scripture? What purpose does godliness have within the relationship of God with man and man with God, what conditions do we need to fulfill to collaborate our godliness with the godliness of God, and by what signs do we need to determine that our godliness is truly collaborating with the godliness of God? In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed and the measure of our faith, we have already looked at the first three questions and have, stu have been studying the fourth question or we can say a sign that we have been studying and this is to be a cloud of God that is filled with his moisture scattering his light that is able to be turned by his guidance for punishment or for good. Job 37, 11-16 Also with moisture he saturates the thick clouds, he scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about, being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Listen to this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know when God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine? Do you know how the clouds are balanced, those wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? God looks at Job as his cloud, causing his clouds to go for correction or for the land or for mercy according to his will means to be a carrier of the favor and punishment of the one that is perfect in knowledge. This is one of the fundamental elements by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are collaborating our favor with the favor of God. Apostle Paul writes Romans 11.22, Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severe 
severity, but toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. The goodness of God simultaneously is shown in the light of the sun and the rain. For the one people, they are burned by the sun, the other it caresses with its warmth. For the one people, it floods with the rains, and the other, it gives them the ability to grow. Demonstrating God's goodness to one and his severity to, to the other, we become carriers of his justice within his holiness. The phrase, do you know, when God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine, indicates the fact that not all clouds are able to be the clouds that God dispatches and cause the light of it to shine, but only those clouds which provide God a basis so that they can contain his moisture in themselves. To be able to carry his life, his energy, this is confirmed by another place of scripture. He binds up the water in his thick clouds, in his thick clouds, not foreign clouds, but his clouds, which are his personal possession. Yet the clouds are not broken under it. He covers the face of his throne and spreads his clouds over it. Job 26:8-9. And so he has spread his clouds over his throne that is, he has covered himself with his clouds and himself. And so to differentiate the clouds of the Most High in the form of the saints that fear God from the profane to his nature clouds in the form of pseudo-saints that do not have in themselves the fear of the Lord, it is necessary for us to know that our ability to provide God the basis to fill us with his moisture and our readiness to scatter his light and direct them according to his instructions is our function. By fulfilling this function, we demonstrate our favor to God. The function to fill us with moisture so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit is God's favor and this is his responsive reaction, his response to our favor demonstrated in our readiness to be filled with his moisture, which indicates our hunger and thirst to listen to the preached word of truth and to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly uh, are we are truly in accordance to the requirements of a cloud of God capable of collaborating our godliness with his godliness so that we can provide him legitimate grounds to fill us with his moisture the moisture of the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit and move according to his will we need to answer a series of questions how do we identify according to scripture the requirements necessary for us to be in accordance to the to the demands of the clouds of the most high filled with his moisture capable of scattering his light second what purpose do we fulfill as the clouds of the heavenly father that are filled with his moisture and scattering his light third what conditions do we need to fulfill so that God establish us as his clouds so that we are able to be filled with his moisture and scatter his light and fourth, by what signs do we determine that we are truly the clouds of the Most High, capable of being filled with His moisture, scattering His light, and being moved by the wind of the Holy Spirit? Answering the given question, we've noted that the essence of the given allegory contains the eternal goals of God demonstrated in His intentions. These intentions are our purpose and our calling 
which consists of first to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. It is necessary to scatter your light from your cloud upon the righteous and unrighteous and pour out the received from God moisture in the form of a rain upon the just and the unjust. Second, we are called to release the moisture we have from the Heavenly Father in the form of rain and scatter it, His light according to His will and not according to our whims or conclusions. During the time of Apostle Paul, there was a young woman, for many days she followed Paul, and spoke of how they, he and those with him were the people of God and they speak the words of the Most High and he forbid her from speaking. Tell us why he didn't do this beforehand. She, she walked uh, and followed them for many days and before he actually forbid her from speaking further. That means that Apostle Paul never uh, poured his reins or uh, scattered God's light according to his will, but God's will. Same thing with Jesus Christ. He never walked the earth or did anything by his uh, opinion or, or sympathies. He received a revelation of the Heavenly Father and even leaving uh, crowds of people who followed him. He would go to the one individual person he came to one person when a whole crowd followed. This man uh, climbed a tree because he could not see Jesus. And if he then saw, Jesus saw him on the tree and told him to come down. And he told him, come down for I need to be in your home today. He also was going to one person in Bethesda where there were a lot of sick people. He didn't go to all of them. He went to see just one and to heal one that repented in his sins. We need to understand that to pour out your moisture, your, your rain, and to shine your light, we are to do this not be, uh, based on how we see things, but the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, the meaning consisting in the purpose of being a cloud of God is laconically presented in the following words. As for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Romans 8.14 which means that if we are not in accordance to the requirements of a cloud of God capable of being filled with his moisture and scattering his light for the purpose of punishing one and showing mercy to the other, then our sonhood needs to be seriously questioned. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first question and have been studying the, seventh, uh, the second question. When it talks about clouds lacking moisture that are carried about by all kinds of deceptive errors profane to God, we have been studying the category of people in the, in the Church of Saints that do not have the Spirit of the Lord and resist the Spirit of the Lord, because due to their carnal way demonstrated in their ignorance, they stumble and are attracted by various winds of doctrine, by the trickery of men and sneaky crafty deception. We've been looking at the clouds of the Most High as the category of saints that are led by the Holy Spirit, by the means of their new person, created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. 
and this means that the clouds of the Most High can only be those saints that have grown into full measure of growth in Christ and are in accordance to the demands of perfection that is inherent to God. Further, we have noted that the clouds of saints being God's possession is a symbol of His great mystery and is called to fulfill a vital role in the work of adopting and redeeming our body from the law of sin and death. Therefore, the cloud of the Most High in Scripture is a symbol of the glory of God, the place where God abides, the clothes into which God dresses, the midst from which the Lord speaks and speaks to his nation. Second question, what purpose are we called to fulfill as the clouds of the Heavenly Father that are filled with his moisture and scattering his light? We've already looked at six components and therefore will immediately look and turn to study the seventh component. Seventh, the virtue of the cloud of the Heavenly Father filled with His moisture and scattering His light. We are called to be raptured to God and to His throne. People that are not the clouds of the Most High will not be able to be raptured to God and to His throne. The book of Acts 1, 6 through 11. Therefore, when they had come together, they, act, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of heaven? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him, out of their sight and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel who said men of Galilee why do you stand gazing up into heaven the same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven Acts 1, 6-11 According to the words of the angels, the form of the coming of Christ for his disciples will be fundamentally different from that form that will be accompanied by a great sign, bringing all inhabitants of earth to doubt and fear who are not the clouds of the Most High. This will happen after rapture, when he will return again. <coughs> And there will be a sign in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea, and the waves roaring, when men's heart falling, them, and they fail from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Luke 21, 25-27 This image of the rising Christ to heaven, by the way that he will, according to the, to the words of the angels, will return again to take to himself the chosen by his heavenly father remnant. It happened quietly without notice and without noise the presence of his in the presence of his disciples. 
in the same way that Elijah was taken quietly without notice and without noise in the presence of his student Elisha, and fifty prophets that stood at a distance of the Jordan and watched the foretold to them by the Holy Spirit event. They told Elijah, Elisha that, you know that the Lord will take your master today above your head, and he said, I also know, be silent. What he meant is, do not uh, tell others. I already know this. The prophet of the most, prophets of the Most High, knew about this. God had no uh, forewarned them that today Elijah will be taken. Therefore, the rapture of the saints to meet the Lord in the air is always the coming of the, of the Lord. However, the coming of Christ to earth, which will signify the start of his millennium reign on earth, is not always rapture. Understandably, if by that time Elisha and the other prophets would have grown into the virtue of the clouds of the Lord, then they also would have been taken up together with Elisha. Specifically, the rapture of Elijah opened them the access they needed to become clouds of the Most High and carriers of the glory of the Lord. And for this, it was necessary to cast off from themselves the old man with their deeds, be renewed by the spirit of their mind, and be clothed into their new person, created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus, in righteousness and holy truth, which upon practice means die by the cross of the Lord Jesus for your nation, for the house of your father, and for your fleshly desires. Therefore, before you're clothed into this virtue, into the mantle of Elijah, Elisha tore up his clothes, which symbolized his old person, and put on the mantle of Elijah that was made of, of camel's hair, which gave him the ability to destroy. It gave Elisha the ability to destroy the stronghold of death in his body and be clothed into the virtue of the clouds of the Lord and be led by the wind of the Holy Spirit. As soon as those that should be raptured will be raptured their mantle will be given to the unwise ones because by this time they will have bought the oil they needed for their vessels and so then they came and said Lord open for us and he'll say I don't know you because I already opened uh, for those that I knew, you'll have to wait. But these people are this woman that bore the male child, and she was given the two wings of the great eagle, and she now has the same abilities that Elijah had. And now it won't be possible to, do, uh, to affect her with sin. And we know when the serpent spewed out the water from his mouth to, in order to uh, take the woman, it's written that the earth opened the earth opened itself and took the water in. And taking it in, it destroyed it. And the earth is a symbol of the body. When the devil had released this false teaching, uh, it did not affect her in any way. We can see this well by the fact that when Elisha approached the Jordan, which is his, which in his body was a symbol of the stronghold of death for Elisha, having wrapped 
The mantle of Elijah, he hit the water, and the waters of the Jordan parted before him, just as they had once parted before his teacher, prophet Elijah. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of, of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. 2 Kings 2, 11-15. And so Elisha symbolized as the two prophets that remain. And this symbolizes, of course, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. That will be the measuring wreath. And Elisha, he, the unclean, are very afraid of him. Same with the people that will remain after us. They will, they, the unclean uh, churches in the world will be afraid of them. This, in this event, we see the symbol of the rapture of the chosen by God remnant in the form of the clouds of the Most High, as well as a symbol of the saints that are pretty much received the power from the ones that were raptured. And this pretty much was to destroy the stronghold of death in their earthly body and to erect the stronghold of life. Where's the God of Elijah, he said. He is the one. In the parable of the ten uh, virgins, the oil in the lamp identified in their bodies a stronghold of life. The absence of the oil in the vessels of the unwise ones was testimony of the fact that in their bodies they did not have the stronghold of life because they had the stronghold of death. The mantle of, of Prophet Elijah of camel's hair meant that he was led by the Holy Spirit, which was his Lord and his master and the master of gifts. It wasn't Elijah that was the master of spiritual gifts and used them as he wanted to and where he wanted to, but the Holy Spirit. And so any churches that attempt to teach people how to practice spiritual gifts is an occult church. Remember this. The Holy Spirit will never allow anyone be taught this. You need to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit, to depend from the Holy Spirit, to hear Him. And when He tells you to act, that's when you will act, that's when you will heal. And you won't do things according to your will, but only those whom God indicates. 
Eleazar, the, the pretty much the, the one that uh, controlled the house of Abraham, he is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. He also was with his gifts of the Lord, if you remember. And his master was with his gifts, Abraham, his, his master being Abraham. And he wasn't able to use them. But only the one that was able to use them was the one that uh, was able to possess these camels, as you remember. If our bodies will not be changed, if the stronghold of death will not be eliminated from this body, as soon as the stronghold of death will be eliminated, our bodies will become different. They will become as horses, white horses, prepared for a battle. Third question, what conditions do we need to fulfill in order for God to establish us as his clouds so that we receive the right to the power to be filled with his moisture, scatter his light, and act according to his will? And the first condition that I would like to present in order to be according to the requirements of God's cloud is to be born from the water, from the spirit, and to the throne, and then make a covenant with God, the covenant of blood, salt, and peace in the baptism of water, spirit, and fire in order to receive the power for the right to fulfill the will of God, the good, acceptable, and perfect will. And what is the most important is to continue to remain in the discipline of the made-with-God covenant to be able to keep your heart from the entry of any evil or corrupt thought. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, three forms of baptism, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the, in the wilderness. In this analog, we see the three forms of baptism where Israel made a covenant with God in the three levels of, co of covenant in the Moses, in the cloud, and in the sea are three forms of baptism, water, spirit, and fire, where this is a, a covenant we make with God, blood, covenant and salt and peace blood uh, salt and peace the wilderness that in which they were destroyed is a symbol of sanctification where we need to die for our nation for the house of our fathers and for our corrupt desires which is why many of those that did not abide in the discipline of the made by them with with god covenant were destroyed in the wilderness because not looking at the fact that they ate the same spiritual food manna and drank the same spiritual drink they pursued different goals that were not in accordance to god's goals they pursued the goals of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They wanted what was in the Canaanite, Canaanite land, but they needed to pursue the goal of communicating with God. But they pursued the goal of gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is very important.
When we pursue the goal of communicating with God, then the Holy Spirit will begin to direct and tell us when you need to heal and when you shouldn't be healing. Sometimes the Lord uh, tarries and he withholds the uh, healing of one or another so that they can grow and develop in the spiritual aspect. So they may begin to proclaim the not existent as existent to understand that their healing is already accomplished that God had already healed them and put their healing upon their own personal account in Jesus Christ and that they no longer need to ask for healing they need to receive it and thank God for it calling the not existent as existent I prayed about this much for with the Lord for, to the Lord so that he began to heal and that he told me I am growing faith, preparing them to destroy the stronghold of death in their body. If I begin to heal them now, they will never grow into this faith. They need to receive by faith their healing, considering themselves dead to sin, living for God, considering themselves already healed, and see yourself this way. Only in this way will I be able to grow them. And I calmed myself down with these words. The thing is, today many of those who have come to Christ and made a covenant with God in these baptisms, but were not born from water, spirit, and to the throne to become carriers of the resurrection of Christ in this way to give God the basis to destroy the stronghold of death in their body and to erect the stronghold of life in their body or the stronghold of righteousness, which upon practice means that they rejected the way of sanctification that the Lord has offered to them and chosen for instead their own personal forms of sanctification, which is why they were not able to put on the two layers of of uh, justification of righteousness but established all things on their own personal righteousness and their own personal good work and their own personal services in evangelism which is why they were not able to abide in the discipline that of the covenant they made with God to be God's clouds as it is written for many are called but few are chosen Matthew 22 14 Second, in order to be in accordance to God's require, uh, accordance to the requirements of a cloud of God, it is necessary to be born it is necessary to receive your calling upon the conditions of God by being instructed in the faith and being instructed in the faith you can be established when he prepared the heavens I was there when he drew a circle on the face of the deep when he established the clouds above when he strengthened the fountains of the deep when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters would not transgress his command when he marked out the foundation of the earth when I was beside him as a master craftsman and I was daily his delight rejoicing always before him rejoicing in his inhabited world and my delight was with the sons of men Proverbs 8 27 through 31 
to receive this allegory in a in a direct way would not be wise and even dangerous. It's not talking about literal uh, creation of heaven and earth. Because when God created the, the physical heavens and earth and drew a circle, as it says, on the face of the deep and gave his instructions to the seas, man was not yet created. And so how can you have had shared joy with the other with sons of men if you did not yet exist? This is talking about a being instructed in the faith which is the wisdom of God the faith of God is the wisdom of God by which God will form and transform a person into his image in the given parable I wanted to turn our attention to the fact that the clouds that we need needs to be established upon the clouds of or the heavens of our spirit when it's talking about the sea here, we're talking about the aspect of our emotions. The clouds are called to uh, give the the seas uh, instructions so that they not uh, surpass a certain boundary. Faith is information that is called to lead the feelings, to give instruction to these feelings, and not feelings giving instruction to us. According to God's principle, the calling to be his clouds that God gives to us is first given to us by uh, from God in the format of a guarantee, which you then need to establish, otherwise you'll lose it once and for all, and it will be passed on to another one who will uh, turn their salvation to profit. We need to keep in mind that our calling to be the clouds of the Most High are directly linked to our salvation. If we will not establish our calling to be the clouds of the Most High capable of uh, acting according to his intentions, be filled with his moisture, scatter his light, which upon practice means to be led by the Holy Spirit, then we will lose our sonhood and also our salvation. Romans 8, 13, 14. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And the very first reason for why a person literally refuses to establish the guarantee of their calling in salvation to be led by the Holy Spirit is because a person, it's easier for them to live according to the flesh, which is why they're either led by, begin to be led by, this, by their mind or by their own flesh uh, when you live according to the flesh you have no necessity to pay the price to uh, destroy the works of the flesh and those works of the flesh according to the opinions of this person are good ones and will please God when we do things according to our own opinion we evangelize for ourselves we do something because of based on an opinion we have and we say it's a good deed I give I do things I give my body as a sacrifice I have I give everything I have Apostle Paul says even if you give your body body to be burned but have no love then you have no that there's no use for it this means that when a person gives his body to be burned 
but not when God tells him to do this, but he does it because he made the decision to. Remember Saul, how he had replaced God's commands with his own opinions. He thought that if he will not destroy the Amalekite king Agag, then it will be better for them because he had good flocks and you can use these flocks then to offer to God and it will be pleasing to the Lord in his opinion. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So then Samuel rose early in the morning and to meet Saul. It was told Samuel, saying, Saul sent to, went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he was gone on, on a round, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to them, Blessed are you of the Lord, and I have performed the commandments of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleat? Uh, bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear and Saul said they have brought them from the Malachites for the people spared the be the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed then Samuel said to Saul be quiet I will tell you what the Lord has said when you were little in your own eyes were you not head of the tribes of Israel and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. And you say, Well, what is it? They came from one church to another. Why are you calling them unclean? Some people may ask. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. You see a tolerant form of mentality Saul had and brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Imagine he kept the king but destroyed the rest of the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has reject rejected you from being king. Then Samuel said to Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. So, so Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. This is First Samuel 15, 9 through 29. In when uh, they, right now one of uh, one a uh, very famous evangelist at the head of his praise, he has a uh, homosexual uh, man that is leading their praise service, and when he was asked why he has this, he says he wanted the most talented to praise in his 
and he didn't bring just a, a simple homosexual man who wants to be free from the sin, but one that uh, absolutely uh, agrees with what he does and and where do you think this church is going after this kind of praise after this kind of and so first they, they jump, they, they sh shout, they do all kinds of ridiculous things there as well. It's very unfortunate. In order to confirm your calling to become a cloud that gives God the basis to fill us with his moisture so that we can scatter his light and be and act according to his will, it is necessary to fulfill four conditions. First, by being instructed in faith, cleanse your conscience from dead works by the truth of the cross of Christ so that in the death of the Lord Jesus you can be separated and die for your nation, for the house of your father, and for your destructive desires of the soul. Second, by being instructed in the faith to receive and write upon the tablets of your pure conscience the truth of the elementary principles of Christ. Third, by being instructed in faith by the means of an already truth uh, existing upon the tablets of our heart, renew your mind by the spirit of your mind. And fourth, by being instructed in the faith, bring an offering to God in the form of your uh, humble and contrite spirit. An offering the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with this. Walls are a symbol of perfection. Pretty much bring your Jerusalem to perfection. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness. When these walls of Jerusalem will be built, when a person will leave the position of infancy, spiritual infancy, and will become a mature man spiritual, spiritual, in spiritual maturity, which burn, uh, then you will be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. Considering that our time is almost up, I will not begin to study or talk about the third uh, component. Let us bend our knees and pray, and let us thank God for the word that we were able to have today to resist our passions, our lusts, our old person, those people whose old person is not yet bound, who continue to suffer and are un, uh, experience discomfort from him. I call you to repentance because God is able to forgive and to renew his justification for you. And also I invite all those who are ill physically ill that you not think that you're ill because of you're ill because of your sin God wants to grow your faith so that you receive your healing today as a fact of the non-existent here on earth but as a factor of the non-existent as existent in spirit God has already healed you and placed upon your account in Jesus Christ healing. And so all those who desire to receive this healing, you want it 
so that you can thank God for this healing, then you are already healed in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us bend our heads and pray. We wait for you here. I'm going to be praying your prayer together with you and I ask you that you believe that God is for you. He is not against you. He is vigilant over his word and he literally will fulfill it for every one of you what is promised in his word. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that you're ready to receive from the Lord what he wants to give you. Pray together with me, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. You see my shame. You see my destruction. You see my dependence from sin that I hate. I love your holiness. I love your righteousness. I hate evil that is dominating in my body but according to your great mercy right now I receive into my heart victory over the stronghold of death I thank you that you have destroyed in my body the stronghold of death I thank you that you have erected in my body the stronghold of life. I thank you that you have healed me from all illnesses and have made my body blooming and flourishing glory to you. I worship before you, our great God, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May the blessings of the hills, the ancient hills and the valleys be upon you and the things, the blessings of God that he had written and put into his son Jesus Christ. May this unsearchable inheritance be upon you and your children and be fulfilled in your life. And the nation shall say, Amen. And now in Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are healed. Try to continue to observe yourself as healed. When you look, you do this, God will not allow that the illness take hold and or be victorious in your body. We have come close to that time where God is ready to fulfill his promise and destroy the stronghold of death and erect the stronghold of life so that you they can bring the whole world in awe and fear to show whom he loves that those synagogues of Satan that are mocking our service and over all the saints of God that they may see that God has loved us and will come and bow at the feet of this people. 
the Lord will fulfill his word because he is vigilant over his truth and his word. Keep this, confess this, and thank God for it. Abraham continued to call his wife Sarah, although he was aging more and the more, and Sarah continued to call her husband Abraham, although she was also aging and she was so she was so old that she couldn't possibly do anything more and when all human ability has finished that's when God said now I will do my work because nothing is impossible for the Lord let us proclaim our, our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen